Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, and I'm just so happy to be here just with you guys. Um, really love you guys a lot. Thank you for the Valles for driving all the way up here. They do this every Sunday. They drive like over an hour to get here. Um, it's just, I so appreciate that. And if there's a special event, they're here. And I just love that. The first thing I want to say is, is that we're going to spend time with the things that we truly value. Our time is going to go towards the things that we truly value. Somebody says, really, where's my heart? What do I truly worship? Just think about what are you thinking the most about? And number two, what are you spending most of your time with? And that's going to be your true love. Now, I'm not saying that our commitments that require time, time responsibilities may not necessarily represent um, what my, where my heart is. I mean, some of us have very busy jobs. But in our downtime, when we're not engaged with our responsibilities or something, where does our minds retreat to? And that's really going to be where our heart is. And, and I want to say that also about church life. Now, you're, you know, I'm not one of these guys that are harping on be faithful to church, come to one, you know, every Sunday. And you probably, maybe some of you have probably never heard me say that. But I want to say this this morning, is that, you know, churches, local churches are like families. And we may have lots of friends, you know, like growing up, I had lots of, we go in people's houses, hanging out. But there's one place that I was expected to be at six o'clock in the evening, and that was in my house at the table, eating the dinner that my mom and dad had prepared. Okay, you see where I'm going? I just think that there is, we have lots, there's lots of fellowship, there's great churches and Christians and the big C church in the woodlands and, and in, the, in the area, and that's really awesome and that's great. And I'm not saying this because there are people that are missing. I'm not saying it because I, this is something I wanted to say last week and it didn't, it didn't, I wasn't able to do it. But you know, there's the big C, then there's the local small C, which is the local expression of the body of Christ for you and I. I really truly believe that the will of God, there is a geographical plan for us. Do you believe that? That God has a geographical will for, for us. And the geographical will means that there's the operational, there's the perfect will of God, there's the geographical will, and then there's what I would call the operational will of God, meaning that God wants me engaged with something. In his, and that's another message at another time. But the day and age that we live in is really ex- very well expressed. And before we get to Luke, Luke chapter 17, and this is really the first thing, Luke 17 is going to be the second thing, and then I'm going to tie it together at the end. If you look at, me with, look at this with me in Psalm 106... Um, I was talking with another pastor yesterday afternoon, and we were just talking about just the unique condition of the American church today and the mega model of churchianity that we have created over the last 37 years and what it is. And he was, we were just talking. I could see him open his Bible, and he's flipped. He's a young guy, flipping the pages, and he said, Psalm 106, I want to read this to you. And then he said that he read this. He said, they have made a calf in Horeb, and worship the metal image. And this is verse 20. He read this. They exchange the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. Now, why is that? When he said that, I really I got it right away. Is that we live in a society of systems, correct? I like systems. I like efficiency. I like, I like to put things in motion, check in on it sometimes, but not micromanage. I'm a systems guy. I enjoy that. We live in a world of systems. But the problem with systems sometimes can be is that when they take a life of their, when they take on a life of its own, 
it can drift from the nature and the character of God and can become something that is just anti, that's just no longer, is no longer Christ-like. And these kind of systems are always going to do one of two things. They're going to cause reaction. For every system, there's going to be a reaction. I remember when we lived in Eastern Europe, we were living in a communist, post-communist country. And I remember how oppressive the government was and how, how, like, how they wanted to lock everything down and every, every, everything they wanted. And, and the system got so complex in its control that it lost control of the control that it was trying to have. They couldn't keep up with all the data and the information that they were trying to keep a hold of. And what had happened was is that this created loopholes in the system. And whenever you have a t- tyrannical, belligerent system, it's always going to, it's always going to, um, it's going to always produce an anti-system. It's going to, it's a dichotomous system. Do you understand what that dichotomous is? It means that there's this and then there's that. There's there's black and there's white, and I don't mean that in a racial way, but I'm saying that there's there's a system and then there's the anti-system, and this anti-system is always going to flourish in a system that is overbearing and that is unable to be maintained. Are you following me? Mm-hmm. So what happened with, with the law of Moses? The law of Moses was the point was is to point out that we are sinners that we cannot obey the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were given to us to show us we can't obey them and that we need a savior. But with every system, there are the compliant, and then there are the non-compliant people. There are the, there are the people that desire, I want to be compliant. And then there's the people that, like, I, I want to push back, I want to fight the system, and I want to be, I want to be a counter-cultural um, juggernaut in, 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 my world, in my world that I'm living in. And so what happens is, is that in these systems, <clears throat> when you have in the church, and this is what has happened to the Western church today, I'm not saying, I'm not, I don't want to be, we're not a perfect church either. I'm not throwing rocks at churches, but I'm just saying that what this verse, this pastor read to me, I don't even know where he pastors or whatever. He's this young guy. We just got fellowshipping. He said to me, he said, he said, we've, we in essence have created, we have taken the image of God and exchanged it for something metal. We've created a calf. We've created a beast, a beast that needs to be continually fed with money, with volunteers, with programs, with people, and more money, and more volunteers, and more people. And the bigger it gets, the more it's chowing down. It's eating grass. It's eating. We can't sustain that. And I think that through COVID, are you following me? Through the COVID thing, what we're discovering is that that all these systems that we can't maintain are going to just fall away. They're going to just fall away, and, and that's okay. If you're going through COVID right now, and you're going through... You're seeing some systems in your life falling away that, that you could no longer really maintain. It's okay. Let, him, let it fall away. Let, it get, let God blow that chaff away because it's a beast that needs to be continually fed. I have a friend back home on the East Coast. He, had a, he has a water and basement um, business. And for you guys that are from Baltimore, it's not the guy you think I'm talking about. It's another guy. And so my business has gotten so big <clears throat> There's so much. He's like, I got so many trucks. I've got so much material, so, many, so much equipment, so many employees that this has become a ravenous beast. I've got to feed it every month. And if I don't feed the business every month, it's just going to start devouring the employees. It's going to start devouring the profit. It's going to start devouring everything. Does that make sense? This is what can happen with religion. This is what can happen with. And you know what? Maybe, 
You know, this, and, and I'm some Jacob and my wife and others of you that have lived in Europe or have been in Europe, Pastor Adam, you know that, just that, that, that those systems exist over there. They just may have, it may be a different religion, a different name, but there are these systems in place that need to be, that need to be supported and fed on a continual basis. And if you're not feeding them, they're going to start to devour you. And these are systems, and this is not God's will. Let me segue into the point I want to say here in, in, in Luke chapter 17. This is Thanksgiving week, right? Um, can you believe that we're already here? I cannot. Like, last, last thing I remember, we were like, it was convention, and we were driving across the United States in the camper, you know, and uh, now it's Thanksgiving. And I've already seen this. I've already seen it, and I've actually, I've actually challenged a couple people on this already. I threw a challenge out there on GroupMe. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but what happens with the, with the, with the holidays is, is that we start entering into these cycles. And it starts with, man, I was in Home Depot the other day, and they had Santa up. I was like, God, <laughs> I was like guys, it's like not even Thanksgiving. Give us a break, man. And Christmas music and all this stuff. And I was thinking, we have created a system in our culture, in our, in our world of holidays, that is so ravenously unsustainable financially, emotionally, relationally. Like if you, I, I, you know, there's a, there's a channel out there called the, the Hallmark Channel. And they start, they have Christmas, they have Christmas romances going on all year. You can turn it on, it's like, okay, you know. And it's, it's always the same thing. But you see, you see, the, you see the world that we've created of the expectations of joy. I'm like, I'm walking through, I was in, yeah, I was in Home Depot, and there was something, oh no, I was in Walmart, getting something for my son, and uh, they had Mickey Mouse on a sled, you know, talking about the joy of snow. I was like, really? This is Texas, where's this, I mean, there's no snow here. How, how can we, how, like, impertinent can we be? Like, how can, you know, like, how, how off is this system that we've created? And so what happens is, is that we enter into Thanksgiving, we enter into Christmas and New Year's, and by the time we're halfway through January, we're exhausted. We're wiped out emotionally, relationally, economically, debt skyrockets. Um, and, then, and then we, have, we, discover the, we discover the void that we have inside of us is not filled. And that's because systems cannot fulfill voids. And systems cannot fulfill voids. And so we get into these, and people's, you know, and there's a lot of, a lot of us in here are small business owners, I guess, <clears throat> or in business, or we have a run our own business. And this time of year, things get really busy, don't they? And it's like, we have to, I want to I I challenge us here. During this time, let's not leave the most important, let's not leave the things of God undone. Let's not walk away from that stuff. Let's not get distracted and pulled away like, I gotta do this and do that. And it's like, it's like, yeah, that's there's nothing wrong with that. You're being responsible. But can we not have the Martha spirit that we have in American Christianity? Can we have the Mar- Mary spirit? Mary understood who Jesus was. Mary had Mary understood who Jesus was, and she was not in a program. Mary Martha was in a system that she had created of what she felt that Jesus expected from her, and then she couldn't maintain that. And what happens? Jesus, can you tell Mary to help me out a little bit here, please? You know, I'm trying to do some, you know, I'm trying to feed everybody here. And, and Jesus is saying, 
Marcy, you're missing the whole point. You're trying to maintain a system that you've created and you cannot sustain, and that cannot be sustained. So this season that we're entering into, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, uh, and the whole thing that we're doing, um, unfortunately, you, you, do, you just see it's just so easy. It's just so easy to be MIA. And let's, not, let's be present with our families first. Let's be present with Christ. Like, let's, let's you know, if you're a taskless person like I am, let's make sure that Christ comes before the taskless. Let's hear from God. Let's get up in the morning and just seek his face. And let's not and say, Lord, I, what are you saying to me today? And, and just begin to hear his voice. Because if we live in this system, you know, there's the bills. There's the mortgage. There's the business. There's this. There's that. I've got to do this and this. And then sometimes what we have to do is this. Is we just have to say, like, remember in the book of Matthew when Jesus feeds the 5,000 people? That's 5,000 men, it says. So if you had women and children, it could be, that could be up to 25,000 people. Just my, just my, my theory. What does, he, what does Jesus say to everybody before he does a miracle? What's he, what's he do? What's he say? Remember? does something very unique in the beginning. What does he do? He gives thanks. He gives thanks. Something before he does that. It's just, you guys are going to probably miss it. It's a trick question. It said, sit down. Sit down. Yes. That's so important because God can't work when we're running around in our systems. Like, I'm hungry. I've got to go feed myself. Yeah, of course. Maybe what we want to do, what we want to do is, is we want to just sit down in the presence of Christ. And just, and just be occupied with him. My wife and I were driving home. We went to a fundraiser yesterday. And just, you know, this is America, you know, where sometimes we go to these things. We don't really do it often. And we're just praying that, you know, f- from some partnerships that, that would help us realize some of the things that God has put in our heart to help foreign missions, to get some missionaries here, to bless them, to get some, to get some young people as residents here like a Bible college student could come here, we could pay for their apartment, <coughs> help them with their food, so that they're not doing, trying to do a job while they're you know, doing their practicum here. And so we we're, were driving home, and it was kind of interesting. They were asking a lot of questions about us and everything that we do. And my wife said something to me on the way home, and you know, somebody said it like this, that you know, the voice of God very often sounds like your, your wife's voice. <laughs> and she said, you know, God's going to bring the money, whether it's through that organization or another organization doesn't matter. God's going to bring the money. And they have the, they have the honor and they have the blessing to partner with us. And I said, that's great. I like the way you think. Honey. That's great. And it's like, so what happens is that we have these systems and we have to bow the knees, the needs, and have them sit in the presence of Christ. Sit down and be quiet. Just, just be quiet, you know. Just be silent. The Lord is in his holy temple and let all the earth be silent for him. And, and this world is going out of their. This world is out of their mind right now. This is just a crazy time. This world is just going crazy. Why? Because they can't maintain their own systems. They're breaking them down. The systems are breaking down, and they can't maintain. And you know what? <clears throat> when you have a well-oiled, when you have a well-oiled system, you can manipulate it, and then it's no longer fun. You know, because it's not supernatural. Jesus here in in in, in Luke 17 is faced with a group of ten. Um, ten lepers, and these are lepers. If you remember correctly, lepers are lepers were the outcasts of society. 
they were the people that you were just social distant. You were, you know, the. Uh, these disciples, I mean, these, these lepers were, you know, you were supposed to social distance with them. Jesus is social distancing. But if you read this, he's social distancing. And he's like, you know, if you read it in the ESV, it's pretty clear that uh, sometimes Jesus would go up and touch a leper. Sometimes he wouldn't. And so Jesus here, uh, these lepers come to Jesus, and they are outcasts from a system by a system that were, they were designated by outcasts by a system that had, was initiated by God that had turned a, a eventually against God. And it was a beast that needed to continually be fed, that couldn't be fed, and the system began to devour the, the, the Jewish people under the burdens of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so here are these, the, are the, these 10 lepers, and it's really, it's really beautiful. Let's look at verse 11. I want to read I want to read through this. On the way to Jerusalem, he passed along the between he passed along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. There we go. And lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus Master. Isn't that great? Jesus Master. My son now has this new thing where he he hears me call my wife Gosha or Honey, but he knows that he's not supposed to use that. He, so he just says like mommy Gosha or mommy honey. <laughs> so he goes, mommy honey. Hey, mommy honey. And he said, Jesus master, Jesus master. They understood two things, that Jesus, the son of God, in the flesh, his name was Jesus, and he was also a teacher, and he was a master. And he said to them, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. What does mercy mean? It means that we don't get what we deserve, and that's what they were asking for. They were asking for something that they didn't, that they knew they deserved, but they're asking, please do not give that to me, to us. We deserve judgment. We deserve to be outcast. We deserve, we deserve a lot of ugliness socially. And we deserve so much pain and, and rejection. And they were saying, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And that was according to the law. The law was... The law of Moses was, if you have leprosy, if you think you have leprosy, then go to the priest. Jesus here is acknowledging the system. He's acknowledging the law. He's acknowledging what needed to be done. And he wasn't there to bump and to, to push back against the law of Moses. He was there to fulfill it. And he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, remember that word cleansed, okay? Cleansed. They were cleansed. Cleansed here in the Greek means to be ceremonially, ceremonially clean. It actually sometimes means healed. They were healed. And so they're on their way to see the priest. And as they're going, they're healed and they're cleansed. There's this catharsis that happens. And they go to the priest. And the priest says, guess what? You guys are clean. You're good. Um, The system approves of you. You're okay. You can pass into society now. This was impossible. The system could not do this. And this is where the system breaks down. The The system can exact justice. It can exact the law, and it can exact what is necessary to be done, but it fails miserably so many times in actually transforming the heart. And ask anyone that's ever been in 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 um, in the jail system; they'll tell you it's, it's like a lot of times it just does not work. Sometimes people come out of jail, and they are they may actually be worse than they were when they first went in. I don't have a lot of experience in that area, so I don't know, but I've heard that that happens. Systems cannot heal people. Systems cannot 
A system cannot change. It cannot transform the heart. And so these, these, these lepers go to the priests, all ten of them, and they're there, and they go. And what, made, what healed them? The commission of Christ. Go see the priest. It was the words of Christ. Go see the priest. Go to him. And as they go, they are cleansed. They are healed. They are, they are now okay. They are now allowed into society. They are now part. They are now belong. And when he saw them, I'm sorry, and then verse 15, and then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. A Samaritan. He was a bad guy. He was a, historically, Samaria was not a great place. It, it was a place that um, was known for its mixed, it was ethnically mixed. It wasn't clear, pure Jewish um, uh, ethnicity. And they were looked at as like unclean and a stranger and as a foreigner, as a, as a person that didn't belong within the borders of the Jewish world. They were outcast. They were, for- they were called foreigners. They were called strangers. And Jesus answered and said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you what? Well. well no. I want to look at that word well and compare that to cleansed. Well here is from that Greek word sozo, which means saved. Here's the point I want to make about Thanksgiving, and I want to tie it in with what we said earlier. When we say thank you, the words thank you, we can say thank you and not have true gratitude in our heart. Um, our custom and our culture may require us to say thank you, but we may, we may actually say thank you out of duty and out of expectation, but not from a truly appreciative heart. And when that happens, when someone has said thank you to you, have, has anyone ever said thank you to them and you know it's, you know, they're just saying it because it's a polite thing to do. And it's more about what they got from you and not necessarily you as a person. Well, I think that that would make us feel um, insulted, maybe, no matter how much we are thanked for our gifts. We, people acknowledge us for the resources that we give to them. Uh, we may find that it's not from a pure heart. And that's what the word thanks, thanks is. When we come into the Thanksgiving season, the word thanksgiving versus the word gratitude in the English language. There's a difference there, and I just want to park on that for a second, and then we'll close. Thanksgiving or thanks can mean that I'm just thanking something for the circumstantial um, material resources. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And people may walk away, and like sometimes when we're just, you know, training our son, teaching our son how to say thank you, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And so when we are coaxing him to say thank you, he'll just say thank you. And you know it's not like... But then there's times where he'll say thank you. And it's really not coerced. And it's not... It's just that it comes from his heart. He's really... He's like, thank you, Dad. Thank you. And when that happens, it just makes your heart rejoice. Because thanksgiving is more about what the gift that was given or the circumstantial changes and not necessarily about the giver. So thanksgiving, we're coming to thanksgiving and... I'm sure that at the Thanksgiving table, somebody's going to say, what are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful that I don't have COVID. I'm thankful that I'm this or that. I'm thankful for my circumstances. And that's all good. You know, blessings are great. We should say thank you, God, for, you know, for the air we breathe, for the country that we live in. Thank you, God, for what you have blessed us, the home and, and the family. Thank you, God, for that. But there is a higher level of thanksgiving that God calls us to, and that is gratitude. 
Gratitude is a different word. Gratitude in the Greek is made up of the word, guess what? Grace. It's from, and actually, uh, I think in Spanish, right? Gracias means, that's where, you know, it's where we, it's the same word in Spanish for grace, right? Very similar. And, and so like, it, it means it's a response out of grace. And gratitude is this, is the opposite of entitlement. Now let's go back to systems for a second. Systems are always going to produce two reactions. Number one, uh, a reaction of compliance. Um, it's going to be a reaction of, I can fulfill this, or I don't want to fulfill this. I want to fight against it. And the other reaction that's going to cause is entitlement. Entitlement. There's a system. I remember when we lived in Philadelphia, and it's not very, it's not a very churched culture there. And I think that very often people would come to the church, and they actually would look at the church as like the fourth arm of the government a financial blessing house. I'm going to come to this church and you're supposed to give me something. And that sense of entitlement was was ingrained in people who live in a system that just kind of gives, gives, gives without any kind of personal responsibility. The system, the system is going to cause entitlement. I fulfilled the system. I've done the five points the system requires and therefore I am entitled. Are you following me? Making sense? For example, here's the rich young ruler. Comes, I've obeyed all these things from my youth, but I'm still missing something. I have a sense of entitlement. You got, you, Jesus, you're supposed to give me something. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, I'm not, gonna, I'm not asking you. I'm, not gonna, I'm asking you to give everything up and follow me. Follow after me. And so entitlement is always created by systems. And systems never glorify God. Gratitude is the opposite of entitlement. Gratitude is about what I, is what, I, what, I, what I received that I'd never deserved or that I could never achieve. And this is what the lepers were doing. They achieved and deserved nothing. These lepers deserved nothing and they, they achieved nothing. And what happened? The, the mercy of God was shown to them and one returns. Gratitude is this hard attitude that arises that can't be coerced. But it comes from the how it comes from the heart, but it's a willingness. It's a willingness. Gratitude is willing. Thankfulness can be like, oh, I'm supposed to say thank you. Thanks, Dad. You know, thanks for that. You know, or thanks, thank you for doing that. that that's gratitude is is when it's not coerced. True gratitude, Jonathan Edwards points this out, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with all of his theology, but he talks about gratitude being thankful for the person and not the item. Okay, gratitude is about the person. Thanksgiving is going to be more about the item or the service that's done. Thanksgiving is more about what was owed to me, what I felt like I deserved or I was entitled, and I say thank you out of being polite. Gratitude is, is I'm a leper. I've got body parts falling off because they're rotting off. I'm going to die. I'm not worthy to be in society, and I am unclean. And gratitude is, is that I'm on my way to the priest. I'm, I'm healed, and I've got to go back, and I've got to meet this man. I've got to, I've got to connect with the man, the person of Christ. Gratitude is, gratitude is like, you know what, it's no longer, I love the blessings, thank you, God. But in the end, it's all going to pass away. My car is going to break. One day it's not going to start. I don't have to sell it or whatever. And, but, it's, but it's when we return back to Christ and we get on our face. I'm going to go, I'm going to go see Michael Rousseau at Land Rover and get another car. I, what I get on my face when that happens, I get on my face and thank the Lord. Thank, you just thank the Lord and say, Lord, you have been so kind to me. You've been so kind. 
You've been so gracious. You've been so wonderful. It's, it's so much more than the object of the service received. And it, you know what? Gratitude uh, comes from a heart that's been truly humbled. It's humility. Gratitude is humility. You know, we're living in an age where, where, where Paul said this to Timothy so well in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And I just want to read these to you as we, as we wrap this up. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. First of all, I'm sorry, saying, the saying is, is trustworthy. If anyone, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy, excuse me. I'm in 1 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. But understand this, that in the last days there will be, there will come times of difficulty. It's funny because I've grown up with the King James and when I read these verses, I'm thinking the King James, and then I'm reading ESV. So that's why when I read the scriptures, sometimes they're like, I do know how to read, but I'm stumbling a little bit because I'm, it's, you know. For people will be lovers of self, in verse 2, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and unholy. My guys, that's like where we live today. And we can find that in the church today, can't we? Either abusive and unthankful and unholy and just and just walking around strutting my attitude and my opinion everywhere like I'm God like I have something you know like like you know I if I was the, you know if I was running the show here this is what I would do and like this attitude like you know what I'm just thankful that I can be in this room today and that I'm saved and I got the blood of Christ on me and that I that the grace of God in His infinite wisdom has allowed me to get up and say something to you guys today. That, I'm just thankful for that because it's not what I deserve. And what is Paul saying here to Timothy? He said that the, in the last days we're going to be dealing with ungratitude, the lack of humility. You know something? When we practice intentional, not thanks, thanksgiving, like count your blessings. Yes, that's great. We do that. But being in an attitude of humility and gratitude and letting God make us very small, not only are we cleansed, when we say thank you, when we understand that, but we are at the, we are brought into a place of deliverance. We're healed. We're saved. We're born again. Hey, did these lepers, these nine lepers, get what they want? Yeah, they got it. Were they saved? I don't know, but they were cleansed and they were healed. But the Greek word here says only one of them was sozo. One of the, only one of them found Christ and actually may have gotten saved. How much of Christianity, how much of the world are we living in, how much of my own personal life is that happening in? Gratitude here means that in verse 17, Jesus said to them back in Luke, verse seven, uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? It's interesting because you see these ratios in the Gospels, and a lot of times that's really a true. You're going to have probably one out of ten maybe people that truly understand, you know, if you've done something in their, if you've done something very gracious in their life or... Maybe even 10% of the time in our life, we're going to even just say, hey, you know what, God, I'm, I really am grateful. I'm really humbled. And he said to them, verse, seven, verse 19, Arise, go your way, your faith, your faith, your faith has made your faith. Not your entitlement, but your faith has made you. i close with this. Ephesians 5, verse 4. And let's read this together. Ephesians 5, verse 4. It says this. 
Paul says this to the, to the, to the Ephesians. Ephesians 5, verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. They're out of place, isn't it? It's just a, you ever been in a group of people that are believers and there's this jesting going on? It just gets a little cringe. You know, your spirit's offended maybe. So it's, it's just out of place. It's out of place. Instead, 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 let there be what? It's just this word gratitude. And it says in the ESV Thanksgiving, but it's really the word gratitude. Let there be gratitude. You know, when you and I live in gratitude, when we live in that humble acknowledgement that, you know something, I was a leper and I was cleansed. I didn't have to do this, but I understood who, I wonder who is this man? Every blessing and every joy in our life that God does should actually cause us to, hey, I need to go back to Christ. I need to get on my face before him and say, Lord, I thank you. And, and, and not just for that, but just for who you are. And this is what our walk is. Whatever happens in our life, you know, I know, I know that um, COVID is really interesting. It has created some very interesting church dynamics. Um, some of you that are new um, may not have seen us before and what, how we were functioning before, and now here we are. And we were joking about it yesterday. We're calling it primitive church because it's just, it's just the word and prayer and the Bible. That's great. But you know what happens is that God has to God has to address systems, things that like you know in the world of worship. I love worship, but you know something? Worship can become its own beast. And don't get me wrong, but it can become this thing that's unsustainable. And even the people that do it can't sustain it. It's got to be there's got to be an anointing. There's got to be this joy. There's got to be this there's got to be this peace. There's got to be this flow. And if it's not, and you know something, I love it because if something we want God. Really, here, us in this room, we really want God. And I'm not, this is not a knock against our worship team. They're going to hear this and be like, what are you saying? But I'm not saying, I'm just saying that, you know something, just because we don't have something, it doesn't mean that, you know, it just may mean that God wants to, God wants to say, hey, let's remove that system and let's just really focus on the person of Christ. Not a driving spirit, not a, not a hasty spirit, not a nervous Unsettled. You ever talk to a Christian? There's just like just you know, like this nervousness, and you just can't put your finger on. It. It's like, dude, you need to get a go away with your wife and just pray for a week, and don't talk to anybody. Just pray and hear from God, and you know, and just you know, and just get quiet and, and sit down, right? Just sit down in the presence of Jesus on that hill before He does a miracle. So I hope this all makes sense. I'm really looking forward to a great Thanksgiving season and a holiday season. Uh, remember what the word holiday means in the English? Holy day. Let's make these sanctified, sanctified, sanctified days and live in the sanctification of the grace and the righteousness of God. Amen. So do we have any comments or questions on that? Anyone have any thoughts?